0: You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Renschler, episode 62.
1: So I am becoming more and more convinced that leadership is the linchpin of a culture. And we know through emotional intelligence research that the leader really sets the emotional tone for the group, but it's also like monkey see, monkey do, whatever that person is doing, we're going to imitate.
0: Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is fabulous to have you join us, particularly during this busy time of the year. I hope things are coming together well for you. We've got three weeks before the year is ending and we begin our new year. So best of luck with your commitments to your business and to yourself through the end of this year, as well as being able to enjoy the holidays and think about what's coming up for your new year. Now, today we are going to be focusing on the concept of company culture. And our guest is Kristen Robertson. She's written a book, Your Company Culture Ecosystem Growing a Vibrant Business. And we'll be focused around the elements that go into company culture and how Kristen, as an external coach who coaches within companies and within leadership of companies, what she has learned about the elements that go into a company culture and how we as coaches working with leaders can help them gain clarity, maybe better understand their own values and how those create a value system within an organization. Now, Kristen is a company culture consultant, an executive coach, and public speaker, and a group facilitator. And she helps companies create positive company cultures. And when she works with companies, there's many positive results in that, and she'll talk to us about that within her interview. Kristen has worked with companies across the United States and has done incredible work, not only with those companies, but reflects that in her book, Your Company, Culture, Ecosystem, Growing a Vibrant Business. So let's listen to our interview with Kristen and have you determine as you listen the ways that If you work with leaders or you work within company cultures, how you can apply the learning that she brings forward to your work with clients. Enjoy the interview. Kristen, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you join us. Oh, thank you so much, Meg. I'm really excited about this. Well, you have a new book out and it is an exciting thing always to get a book out there, but a really important topic. The name of your book, Your Company Culture Ecosystem, Growing a Vibrant Business. And as an executive coach, you undoubtedly work within organizations to help them strengthen their cultures, pay attention to their cultures. So how do you Well, let me ask you this first. What motivated you to write this book? Oh, great question. I was the
1: victim and the beneficiary of great cultures growing up, in air quotes, as I matured into my career. And one was the best of times and the other was the worst of times, if you just look at a very short period in my life. And my purpose statement, Meg, is to ensure that your employees love to come to work on Monday mornings, because I have loved to work, come to work on Monday mornings, and I have dreaded it. And guess which one
0: I liked better? (laughs) And and certainly motivating to help other companies create a culture where their employees want to come to work rather than dread coming to work.
1: Exactly. And you can imagine what the benefits are to the company, they get an engaged employee, they get higher productivity, lower turnover. I mean, one of the worst things in this market is losing your good people
0: to another company. And that can oh, just the be cost the cost of, of that is so, you know, you get somebody trained and, and really losing good people is is such a cost to organizations. Yeah. So what can a strong Culture within a company do to protect against that well, it starts with values, so
1: I suggest to my companies, the companies that I work with, that we get together and create values and that really make the values come out of the values of the leadership team. Uh, so we do a f- couple of fun exercises to figure that out, and then we do a litmus test of applying the values to an incoming employee if he or she Showed these values would we hire them, and we also talk about behaviors, which is really important. And then we also talk about a purpose statement. And a purpose statement is so important because nobody wants to go to work on Monday mornings just to enrich the owner's pocketbooks. It has to be a purpose greater than just making money. So I I love working on that. So that's
0: where it all starts. Okay. So when you talk about values, how do you help leaders gain some clarity? about, let's start with the organizational values. You know, I actually start with their own personal values. I was going to say, you know, and how do they align those with their personal values? But yeah, you, you are Sarah, answering. I've, so let's start there. We're in
1: sync here. <laughs> Yes. The research is fascinating about this, Meg, that it shows that if you know your own company, your own personal values, then you can easily map them to your company values. Or I suppose the opposite is true too. You can know that you need to get out really fast if they're if they don't if they're grading against. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's and exhausting.
1: I imagine that a lot of our listeners will just understand that sometimes they just felt at odds with the culture that they were working with. I can think of several times in my career that I just felt so good leaving that place because it was like brushing your hair the wrong way. It felt, it felt terrible. It felt uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you start with now, do you tend to work with leadership teams to gain the clarity about their values and then looking at the cultural values or are the cultural values already there? How do you go through this process? It
1: depends on where they're starting. So if I'm just doing coaching with one person in the leadership team, then I start with his or her values. And I give them a list of values and say, you know, we go through kind of a winnowing process of coming up with your top five. And that by itself helps people become very engaged in their company. So so that's a really important thing for coaches to do early on. i Recommend in the coaching process is really help your client define and winnow down your personal values so that you know what makes you tick. And then, of course, your own personal purpose statement comes out of that or vision statement, whatever you'd like to call it.
0: Yes. One of the things that you have is you have this wonderful handout on powerful questions for coaching to culture. And I know that as coaches, we're always eager to hear some powerful questions. What are some questions that you might ask? a client when getting clear about their values or their purpose? Well, I mean, the obvious
1: one is, what do you think your values are that you like to honor in your life? Something like that. And usually just asking that question elicits quite a bit. The other alternative is giving them a list of values and having them come up with, you know, circle 10 and then get it down to five. The nice thing about that is that they are prompted to pick some other values that they may not think of in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: There's two ways. There's many more, but it's really important to get at people's values. So when you talk about, in your book, you talk about six elements that go into a company's ecosystem, culture, uh, culture, ecosystem, and values and purpose is the, is the first one of those, which you've just talked about. And then you talk about leadership. So when you work with a leader towards this whole concept and helping them be a more effective leader, perhaps in their organization, how do you fit in the piece of leadership? with in Mm -hmm. in your ecosystem?
1: Mm -hmm. So I am becoming more and more convinced that leadership is the linchpin of a culture. And we know through emotional intelligence research that the leader really sets the emotional tone for the group But it's also like monkey see, monkey do, whatever
0: that person is doing, we're going to imitate, right? Do do you see that in your coaching? Oh, absolutely. And and some of my favorite leadership models talk about, you know, we have to model the way or we have to, you know, we can't say one thing and do another. That's not being a leader. It's, it's not. So yes, I'm familiar with the leadership challenge too, and that's the very first
1: leadership behavior is to model the way. And that's just so important. I like to say that you're always on stage when you're a leader and everything that you do is being micro and analyzed by everyone that reports to you. So that's really important that you are in alignment with the values. You've mapped your own values to the organizational ones, but that your actions align with them. And Meg, I'm also coming to the conclusion that one of the best leadership skills that you can have is the courage to fire people. You know, the the news lately has been all about sexual harassment, abuse, even rape. And where has been the organizational courage to get rid of these people? Mm -hmm. I call them brilliant jerks. It's in the vernacular. But they're brilliant in that they bring results to the corporation, but they're such jerks that you hate to work with them. So they figuratively leave a trail of dead bodies behind right. them or, or or abused bodies, at least in the case of the news that we're hearing today. So back to that courage, the courage to get rid of your one bad apple or your two bad apples in your team is really hard, even for a middle manager, because you think, oh, maybe the position will go away. I won't have an opening. And then where where will I be? My message is you'll be so much better off once you get rid of that bad apple and your culture will improve. And everybody around that toxic person will become more productive because they're gone. So pull on your big boy and big girl boots
0: and have the courage to terminate a poor cultural influence. Right. Even if that person is a top performer. That's because the the impact of that, you might be getting an immediate gain, but what's the long term cost to that? And many exactly. of the companies that you've been talking about are realizing that now. Maybe they had some immediate gain, but the long term cost is is excruciatingly high.
1: Yeah. Yes. Especially now that more people seem to have the courage
0: to speak out about it. So. Right. Exactly. So one of the things that you also mentioned was that as a leader, you're on stage all the time, you people look up to you. And that just really highlighted to me the importance of having a coach to work with when somebody's Mm -hmm. in that position, somebody that they can be real with and somebody that they can bounce ideas off of and and have that, partnership with, because you're on stage 24 seven, that can be exhausting
1: and lonely. Yeah, there's nobody to talk to really if, well, you, you might have peers, but when you're at the very top, there's not too many people to talk to. So it's essential to have that safe space with a coach to be able to talk about things that you probably can't talk with a whole lot of other people about. Yeah, it's really helpful.
0: And when you introduce the concept of your cultural ecosystem with the companies Mm -hmm. that you work with, what kinds of responses do you get to that?
1: Yes, many people think that culture is just throwing a great party. So they set up culture committees or culture teams or something, and they turn into really the social uh, event planning of the whole organization. And the whole premise of my book is that it's not just good parties and fun times, although that can be a really great way to instill culture and to bond the team together. So purpose and values is in the middle of the infogram, info um, model. And then there's leadership, which we've talked a little bit about. Then there's people practices. So hiring and firing, uh, those kinds of things. That's really where you can, that's where the courage comes in. You're right. And that's where you can really embed your values. So Do you hire to your values? Do you ask preliminary questions and you don't advance candidates that don't make that screening, the culture screening? Do you do a 360 on your leaders at least every two years? Do you ask about the way that all people who are evaluated, how they behave according to the standards of the values? So you need to really embed your values in everything that you do in your people practices or HR practices. Then the next one is kind of an interesting one. I use the word ritual, and it's ritual stories and symbols. And actually, Meg, I've come to love the word ritual. I was given the advice not to use the word ritual when I went out to business. It's a little bit of an academic or almost an ecclesiastical word, but Mm -hmm. what it means is a repetition, repetitious event that evokes emotions. So rituals are really important in organizations, and some of the most important rituals have to do with meetings. So for instance, do you start your meeting with a go around the table and everybody shares something positive and exciting? Or do you always serve cookies at your quarterly meeting? Or do you serve smoothies every year at your annual meeting? There can be rituals around food too. So ritual stories and symbols are the third, fourth, sorry, the fourth aspect of the company culture ecosystem. And then there's operational processes and tools. And the last one is accountability systems. And Meg, especially these last two, the operational processes and tools and the accountability systems, people usually don't think about that in the same sentence as organizational culture. But unless you embed your culture, your values into these two things your processes and your tools, and your accountability systems, meaning holding people accountable to what you expect of them, you're really going to have a culture that's just a veneer. It's going to just be an inch thick and have no depth to it. I remember once being a employee, an employee at a software company in Silicon Valley. It was the early days of the software industry, and we were the support reps where we had to support this really buggy software and the company would give us these lavish dinners once a quarter, and all I remember saying is, I wish they'd treat us better on a day-to-day basis, and I'd feel better about having this lavish and expensive dinner. Like. Why don't you pay me at markets to begin with and treat me like a human being? And then I'd be much happier. Mm-hmm. So my point is that having great parties or throwing great dinners is not enough to build right. a great company culture.
0: Well, it's interesting. I've worked with a company that is not willing to hold people accountable because they're afraid, afraid of backlash, afraid of lawsuits, afraid of whatever. And and it does make for a very thin Organization, mm. it makes for a very lacking trust organization. It's a not they, they just struggle, and and I think that that accountability piece is just key to that culture. Yes, interesting. It's
1: almost like if you're too nice, you know. I, I actually worked with client. I have a few clients that have a value of being nice, but it's nice is as, as nice does because if there's not that trust factor and that frankness or honesty, mm-hmm. you know. You've got to be able to terminate people. You've got to be able to give them honest, constructive feedback. And if you're too nice to do that, you're really not serving yourself.
0: Well, and then your people who are carrying their weight and doing their things and holding their responsibility are resentful of those that aren't. So it just ends up creating the, the kind of culture that your book does not discuss. So, yeah, so right. not the kind of culture that you want to be able to thrive. Exactly. Exactly. So with your growing a vibrant business, what are some of the things that you have seen happen when you've been able to go in and work with company leadership to kind of create the kind of cultural ecosystem that you've represented in your book? Mm -hmm. So are you asking about results? Yeah, results. What kinds of results?
1: Okay. So results are a reduction in key people leaving. So lower attrition of the people that you want to keep. That's really key. And the other part of that, of course, is hiring smart. And we talked about hiring to your values. So that's another result is that people start hiring better and so they can retain people. And the whole idea of identifying your values is to attract the people that are going to thrive in your in your environment. So another is increased customer satisfaction levels. You know, I always say that when I get poor service, it's just a reflection of how management treats the employee. It's not necessarily that employee that's a bad apple or or a bad person. It's really, you know, if you've been kicked by your manager, you're probably going to kick your customers too. It's a sad statement, but true. And then of course the big one is increased profit and increased ability to attract new business to yourself. So that's huge. A lot of companies are marketing on their culture now. And my next book at some point is going to be where culture intersects branding. I'm going to have to get a branding expert to help me. But the whole idea of this is fascinating to me that your culture can be part of your brand and vice versa. Your brand has to be part of your culture.
0: Oh, yeah. One of the, so those are great results and undoubtedly companies are thrilled to work towards those results. One of the elements that we've touched on, but haven't really done much of a dive into is the concept of leaders being emotionally intelligent as well, or, oh, right. or yeah. politically, you know, sort of savvy or having the, the skill set that they need to be able to lead the organization. So how do you work with leaders around those concepts? in their emotional intelligence, their ability to kind of politically move through the company?
1: Yeah. So a lot of my, question, a lot of my clients say, Kristen, you're always asking what the other person might be feeling. So I get that feedback a lot. But I'd like to start with what the client is feeling, because Mm -hmm. as you probably know, self-awareness is the biggest building block to emotional intelligence. So you can't recognize somebody else having an emotion until you've identified it in yourself. So I'm always asking people, well, how did you feel when that happened? Or someone told me last week he was crushed by some feedback. And I said, well, what does that feel like when you feel crushed? And here's one little tip that I'm sure you use in your coaching too. But my next question is, where do you feel that emotion in your body? Because that to me is the early warning system for your emotions. And for somebody who isn't very adept at naming emotions, sometimes it's easier to see it in your body and then say, oh, well, when I'm feeling tense, in my shoulders and my shoulders are creeping up toward my ears, I know I'm getting triggered and I'm probably getting angry. So, so that can be really helpful. So your question was emotional intelligence. So we start with the person's emotional, emotions and identifying them. And then we go to, well, how do you think that other people was feeling, uh, that other person was feeling in that particular instance? And then of course we go into the whole political savvy area that you mentioned. And that's where you want to make sure that you're creating relationships, that you have a coalition of people that support you when you want to get something done. And I'm fascinated. I remember seeing someone give favors away in a very unconscious way early in my career. But he used it so judiciously that he could call up anybody in the organization and get a favor done because he had already put a deposit in the Bank of Goodwill Mm -hmm. by doing something for them. So that's also part of emotional intelligence. And I'm sure, Meg, you see that all the time in coaching people to be politically savvy, that uh, giving something kind of even when you're not asked to just gives you that capital to be able to take a, a withdrawal out of that bank sometime later.
0: And and just the goodwill that it builds by you being intentionally, you know, giving and and hopefully coming through authentically yeah. can build an incredible sort of foundational culture and, and trust as well. Do you ever have to coach people on how to do small talk? Yes. And just that sort of um, ease with one another. And so when you coach people around small talk, what kinds of things do you do with them?
1: Well, it's usually the analytical people that don't know how to do small talk and they want to jump right into the meat of the problem and... And I say, no, no, write yourself an agenda. And the very first agenda item is small talk. And here are the things that you can ask about their weekend, their pets, their kids, where they're going on vacation. You know, I I kind of feed them the things to ask Mm -hmm. about. And they're like, oh, I would never think about asking that. Mm -hmm. But again, that's how you create those bonds with people. And you, you know, if you give in that way, even you're going to be able to get it back later on. So, I'm glad to know that you've you yes as a matter of fact I just, of had, I just
0: had I just had a session with with an engineer, so much who is kind of confused because his upper leadership is he's not establishing the kinds of relationships that he wants with them. So when we explored when he has the opportunity to interact, what does he do with those? It was such a heavy, you know, it was always so, so driven, so agenda driven. And so, you know, if I have 30 seconds with this person, I'm going to ask, you know, what do you need most from me or whatever? And it was like, well, in 30 seconds, what if somebody came up to you and you only had 30 seconds and you asked that heavy of. The question: What would that do to build the relationship? So uh, it was kind of eye-opening for him. He well, I never realized, you know, maybe that's beginning to kind of pull on those relationships in a way that yeah. you don't want them to. It was yeah. like not even considering that 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 might not be the most emotionally intelligent way to handle a relationship. Right.
1: Being an analytical person, the engineer type, or or something similar to that. They have to kind of write it down, you know, and put it on their agenda so they don't forget. So it's like using fire to battle fire, so <laughs> to speak.
0: Yes, and, and, and be knowing our clients well enough to know what they need and, and how they can be successful in partnering exactly. with them for that. Exactly. What have I not asked you about cultural ecosystems that, that you really believe our audience needs to know?
1: Yeah, so there are some trigger scenarios when, as a coach, you really want to be tuned into culture. So here's just a sum, some of them. And it might be a new job or a new promotion. Typically, um, I tend to work with upper middle managers, and they've just been promoted to something where they're having to do uh, so much or all of their work through other people. And that's a really good time to start t- talking about culture. What are the norms that are expected you of you in this executive position? Or a merger and acquisition, oh my gosh, that's just the prime time to be talking about culture, because of course you've got the culture clash of two com- cultures coming together. If you have a new boss or a new executives in your organization, that's when we need to start talking about what does that person value? How are you going to figure out what your new boss values? And how are you going to be able to mold your activities, your behavior to their expectations? And then there's always the toxic peer or a toxic boss. And that's when we really need to start talking about how the culture either supports you in being the change that you want to see or it doesn't. And a lot of times that's when people kind of take the off ramp and go to another company, go to go to another job because they just see that the culture is not going to support them objecting to the boss and the boss's way of doing work. So I think that's kind of helpful. and No, that's very helpful,
0: being aware of the fact that there are going to be triggers in organizations that, that are key times to address some of the cultural issues that might be coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So,
1: and you know that I have a list of powerful questions for Coaching the Culture, which If you'd like to offer it to your listeners, I'd be glad to share that. That's wonderful. So
0: that, so Kristen, and it is a wonderful list. I have it in my hand as we speak. And if it's okay with Kristen, then we'll post that on our resource page. Yeah, let's do that. And along with the information about Kristen's book, Your Company Culture Ecosystem, Growing as a Vibrant Business. Kristen, thank you for joining us today and sharing your marvelous experience and insight into company culture. Oh, it's been really fun. You're
1: a great interviewer, Meg. I imagine it's because you're also a great coach. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Have an awesome day. And thanks for being a part of Star Coaches. Remember that when you're working with your clients, while it is a partnership and you're not coming in as the expert, you certainly might have information for them to consider and a a perspective to explore things like emotional intelligence and the culture within an organization and value systems and things to help your client perhaps explore and Navigate that they hadn't thought about exploring or navigating without your partnership and you helping them explore those things. So I want to thank Kristen for sharing her perspective and the information that she has shared within her book. Remember that Kristen has shared powerful questions for coaching to Culture, and that is available on the resource page at StarCoachShow.com. In addition to that, you can get more information about Brio Leadership and Kristen Robertson. While you're on the site, you might also sign up for our book giveaway and check out information about the membership site and all the other resources that are available on StarCoachShow.com. As we continue to move through 2017, I hope that these next couple weeks are filled with joy and excitement and lots of good planning for what you want to bring forth in 2018. Now, next week, we have Ed Hennessy joining the show, and he's going to be sharing with us Some really important and valuable information about different assessments that you could give for emotional intelligence. Ed did a wonderful job bringing forward so much key information. So if you're in a place of trying to determine, If you are wanting an emotional intelligence assessment in your repertoire to offer your clients, next week's show is going to be a show you're going to want to be certain that you tune in for. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.